I'd like to start out by welcoming <clears throat> two students of mine at Eastern Nazarene College e ECE program, April and Magdalena. We are blessed to have them worshiping among us today. So thank you for your presence here. She's like, oh, April's here. This week, a pastoral colleague of mine posted this question on Facebook. He asked, what would you say was Jesus's primary mission on earth? Several individuals responded, and the responses were as numerous as there are stars in the sky. There were some simple responses and some complex responses. Here are a few of them. Jesus' primary mission on the earth was to get many saved so that they will be with him in heaven. Another said, to teach us how to pray. Still another said, to seek and save that which is lost. And another said, to show the world how to love. Through his sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of laying down his life for us. There is indeed no greater love. And as I pondered this question this week, I found myself wondering, why did God come to the earth as Jesus? I mean, what was the purpose of this visit? We in the church talk about the incarnation, God becoming human, but what is this all about? Why did the divine become human. The author of the book of Hebrews might help us out a little bit. You see, Hebrews, like the book of James, is really more of a sermon than a letter. The author is speaking to the early church, particularly a church in crisis. He is trying to help them understand more faithfully who God is. And by doing so, he has the audacity to believe that the people, by understanding faithfully who God is, might be more faithful themselves. This is one of his basic premises. Faithful belief leads to faithful action. In this sermon, the author is trying to identify first and foremost who God is. And in doing so, he tells us, we, to understand who God is, we first must look at Jesus. For we hear that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's very being. For Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God in the flesh. God became a human being. The divine became human. The creator became the created. The sacred became the ordinary. Not like a human suit. Jesus is not this divine mind simply wearing a human Halloween costume. God didn't run into a telephone booth and come out with a Superman, Super Jesus suit on. In Christ, God became incarnate. In Christ, God became a human being. The author of the book of Hebrews paints a very human Jesus. God became fully human. He tells us that Jesus was one of us. He tells us that Jesus was tempted just as we are. He tells us that Jesus submitted his will to God's in tearful obedience. And he tells us that just like we will one day, 
that Jesus was subject to death. And while Jesus is fully human, Jesus is also fully God. The author also tells us that God has appointed Jesus to be heir of all things. He tells us that Jesus has been the agent of creation, the one through whom God created the universe. And Jesus wasn't just there during creation, for in fact, Jesus currently sustains all things according to the writer. For Jesus is in the past, present, and future. He tells us that Jesus is the exact imprint, the engraving of God's essential being. Really saying that Jesus is the clearest picture that you and I can have of who God is. And finally, he calls Jesus our great high priest, for he has made purification for our sins through his death and resurrection. And so while Jesus is fully human, Jesus is also fully God. In Jesus, God became human. So back to the original question that my friend posed on Facebook. What would you say was Jesus' primary mission on earth? The more I thought about it this week, the more I grappled with this text in Hebrews, I think the picture started to become a bit clearer for me. Maybe according to the author of Hebrews, Jesus' primary mission on earth was to make ordinary things sacred. For the infinite became finite so that the finite could become infinite. The holy became broken so that the broken could become holy. Church father Athanasius said these words, He was not man and then became God, but he was God and then became man in order to make us divine. So it's not that Jesus was a human being who then later became God, but it's Jesus was God who then became a human so that us as humans could live eternal life, so that we could become divine. For it is Christ who makes us holy. We cannot do it in our own strength. The author of Hebrews refers to Jesus as our pioneer, the pioneer of salvation, the one who brings many children to freedom and glory. For Jesus is the pioneer of human salvation. He makes a path for us. He shows us how to live. He demonstrates the way that we are to live, and he makes the path for us. Immediately, I thought of Moses. The one who brought slaves to freedom and glory. For Moses was also a pioneer. Moses was really the first savior in the Bible. Moses returned to Egypt to free the people from bondage and slavery. Moses was a pioneer for salvation and freedom as well. And then I thought about even this country's own history. And I thought of Harriet Tubman, who was a runaway slave herself, for she returned again and again to the South to rescue her family members and other slaves. And in 19 trips, Tubman escorted more than 300 slaves to freedom, for Harriet Tubman was a pioneer of salvation and freedom as well. 
And in Christ, God became our pioneer. Jesus was our pioneer, a pioneer according to the writer of Hebrews. God became a human being to give us the freedom to live faithful lives. For we not only share in Christ's humanity, but we also share in his glory. For human destiny, our destiny, is to share in the radiance of Christ. The fullness of the love of God and in his glory. For Christ has gone before us into the presence of God. He came from God, became one of us, and leads us back to God. For Jesus makes a path for us. And yet, what gets in the way of our path back to God is sin. Sin has traditionally been defined as missing God's mark and comes from an old archery term that means missing the target. Others have defined sin as a willful transgression of a known law. Yet I think sin is more than that. Sin is anything that separates us from God, one another, or God's creation. Sin turns us inwardly into ourselves. Sin tells us that our own wants, our own desires are more important than others' needs. Sin turns our back on the suffering of others. And Jesus modeled a lifestyle very different than that. Jesus modeled a lifestyle of holiness, a lifestyle of love, a lifestyle of compassion. He modeled a life very different than the lives of sin. And Jesus doesn't just tell us how to live in tune with God's Spirit. He doesn't just show us how to live in tune with God's Spirit, but the writer tells us that Jesus made a purification of our sins, for he is our great high priest. He doesn't just show us the way, but he indeed creates a path. And Jesus creates a path because first and foremost, he became one of us. You see, the early church struggled articulating Jesus' humanity. And the writer of the book of Hebrews seems to be challenging that struggle. He tells us that Jesus became just like his sisters and brothers in every respect. Some of these early believers denied that Jesus was fully human. And they suggested that maybe he just appeared human. I mean, God couldn't really be vulnerable, right? And so some of them even suggested that God couldn't have died on the cross because God can't suffer. And so they said, you know, maybe Jesus didn't really die on the cross. Some of these early church thinkers said, you know, maybe when they held up the sponge, they just gave him a strong potion. He fell into a deep death-like sleep and simply awoke three days later. And it seems like the writer of Hebrews as well as the Apostles' Creed, is speaking out against this interpretation. That Jesus wasn't just a human in appearance, but Jesus was fully human. For the Apostles' Creed declares he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. This writer tells us, that Christ became one of us. He tells us that 
we as humans were made for a little while as lower than the angels. But then he continues and says, now we are crowned with God's glory and honor. So what happened? What changed from us to be lower than the angels to now being crowned with glory and honor? What changed was Jesus. You see, the writer of Hebrews tells us that when we see Jesus, we see one who for a little while was made lower than the angels, but now is crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. And so basically what he's trying to get at is that we were lower than the angels, so God, God's self, also became lower than the angels as Jesus, so that we could then become righteous and holy. God became vulnerable so the vulnerable could become holy. The infinite became finite so the finite could become infinite. The holy became broken so that the broken could become holy. And after Jesus' death, he resurrected. Through his resurrection, he became crowned with God's glory and honor so that now you and I can become crowned with that same glory and honor as well. For Christ transforms us. We are restored to right relationship with God. For Jesus is our great high priest. We are forgiven by his blood. By his wounds, we are healed. We have been given the gift of eternal life. All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is accept. All we have to do is trust. For Jesus Christ is indeed the pioneer of our salvation. And on the cross, Jesus experienced the absence of God so that you and I don't have to. Jesus suffered and experienced death so that you and I don't have to. Jesus made a path for us. Through Jesus' sufferings, he is made perfect, and we are brought to God. The divine became ordinary, so that the ordinary could become divine. The writer tells us that through Jesus' sufferings, he is made perfect. Christians today struggle with that concept a little bit. Jesus being need to have been made perfect. For we want to affirm that Christ was perfect in every way as a human being. And yet we typically define perfection as flawless or without blemish. And yet perfection in this text, in this time period, would have been defined differently. Perfection here is not about sin or morals or anything regarding Jesus' character, but it is about Jesus fulfilling his role in salvation. For he is the perfect pioneer of our salvation. A role which requires him to enter the full human experience, which includes death and suffering. In Jesus' death and suffering, God demonstrates solidarity with humankind. For it's almost as if God said, I created you. I gave you free will. Death and suffering entered the world as an indirect result of my free will. And so you know what? I'm going to come down and encounter that same death and suffering alongside of you. I'm going to experience the full range of human emotions so that when you're struggling, I'll fully understand. 
when you're hurting, when you're trying to pull yourself together, when you don't even have enough strength to stand. I understand. Because I went through the exact same thing. Jesus' death and suffering, God demonstrates solidarity with all of humankind. Every time we hurt, every time we suffer, every time we encounter pain, our God understands because our God has been there. God says, you have suffered because I've given you free will. And so I'm going to suffer now too. Alongside of my people. Alongside of my creation. Alongside of those that I love. For we are called Jesus' sisters and brothers because we are loved. We are loved by God. So to go back to this original question, what would you say was Jesus' primary mission on earth? I think the answer is to make ordinary things like you and me sacred and holy. To make us holy. To identify with our brokenness. Jesus gave up his divinity to encounter our suffering. And in doing so, he redeems all of human suffering. For God in Christ would rather die than spend eternity without you. Let that sink in for a moment. For God in Christ would rather die a torturous, terrible death and spend eternity without you and me. For we are that valuable. We are that sacred. We are no longer lost, no longer alone, no longer stuck in sin, no longer disconnected from God, no longer ordinary, no longer lower than the angels. For God has raised us up through Christ's death and resurrection. For we have been forgiven. For we have been transformed, not because of anything that you and I can do, but because of the incarnation. Because God became a human being in Christ. God makes ordinary things sacred. Ordinary people like you and me, sacred. Ordinary bread, ordinary juice, sacred. An ordinary gathering of individuals can become, by the grace of God, sacred and holy. For it is God indeed in Christ, who is the pioneer of human salvation. For we are saved not because of what we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And so in a few moments, we're going to sing, Great Are You, Lord. And verse 1 says, You give light, you are love, you bring light to the darkness. You give hope, and you restore every heart that is broken. 
For that is a picture of our God. That is the life of Jesus, the one who gives light, the one who is loved, the one who brings light to the darkness. That is the exact imprint of God. The writer of Hebrews tells us, for God is holy, the divine became ordinary so that the ordinary could become sacred. God has become a human being in Jesus the Christ and has lived a life alongside of us, a life that ultimately ended in death and suffering. Christ died so that when you and I do, it's not the end. For God is ordinary things becoming sacred. Maybe, just maybe, Christ's mission on the earth was to point out things that were already sacred that people just interpreted For when the divine becomes human, we begin to notice the divine everywhere. For God is love. God moves mightily. You and I, the opportunity to be open and to respond to that love. For he is the pioneer of ourselves. Amen.